the Sermons Podcast for Ottawa Baptist Church. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. Morena Church, and thanks for joining us today. One of the things that we've been highlighting for about a year now is the intentional practice of discovering Jesus as a church. And discovering Jesus plays a part in what we unveiled last year, a bold initiative that over the next 10 years, we would reach 10,000 people with the gospel. Now, discovering Christ is the basis for this bold initiative. But it's actually beyond that. It's, it's the basis for who we are as Christ followers. If we were to take this critical component, discovering Jesus, and to remove it from our relationship with Christ, we actually remove the central component of Christianity. Unfortunately, I think we live in a time where many people believe that the purpose of Christianity is to simply produce a life with strong ethics or strong morals. That Christ and his teachings, if I abide by them, somehow will just make me a better person. And that is the purpose of Christian living. You see, morality is very important, but morality is a byproduct of following Jesus. It is not the ultimate achievement for a Christ follower. Without spending too much time in this area, there are many passages within the scripture that point to believers being conformed into Christ's image. We see that the Apostle Paul is writing that we are to be conformed into the image of Christ Jesus, the image of the Son. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul again writes that we are being conformed into the image of the heavenly man, of course, who is Christ. In 2 Corinthians, we're being transformed into the image of this ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord. 1 John chapter 3, John writes, When Christ appears, we shall be like him. Finally, in Colossians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says, You have put on your new self, and this new self is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So the process of discovering Jesus isn't simply an academic process. You can find that there are people who can read the Bible from cover to cover, to know the parables of Jesus, to know the great Old Testament stories, and yet be unaffected by what the Bible teaches. Following Christ is a life-giving process. We are recipients of divine life through the power of His Spirit. It's beyond an academic process. And the Bible also challenges us to be obedient to Christ as we follow Him. And in doing so, we see this transformation occur. I think that when we take this idea of following Christ and discovering Him more and more, we could argue that this process extends beyond our lifetime and travels into the realm of eternity. One thing the Bible communicates is that Christ and who He is is inexhaustible. So if Christ is inexhaustible, is it only in our human understanding of who Christ is, in our situation in these frail human bodies, that our minds at this stage cannot conceive all that who Christ is? Or does the Bible say that Christ is inexhaustible, full stop? 
I think there are grounds to argue that our eternity with Christ will be spent discovering Him more and more. I do think it's a little bit short-sighted to believe that when we arrive in the afterlife, or even when everything is said and done and we are in our glorified bodies, that there would be nothing left for us to know. Think of it this way. Scientists understand that the universe is continuously expanding, even as we speak. And it has been since the very beginning. Now, the biblical worldview, as Christians, we believe that God created the universe. So the question is, does the ever-expanding universe lead us to understand an inexhaustible God? Is the universe, in effect, a reflection of an inexhaustible creator? If so, our eternity with God will be an eternity filled with discovering Him more and more. More of His glory, more of His wisdom, because His wisdom, His might, His presence is limitless. So although the scriptures do tell us we will be like Him, we will never be Him. And as lesser creatures, even in eternity, there will always be room for us to discover more and more, even in eternity. So, in this life, if you think that you have reached full capacity in your knowledge of Him, just know that you haven't even begun to scratch the surface. Our God is truly inexhaustible. In the beginning of Jesus' ministry, He personally selects disciples. And the disciples enter into this journey of discovering Jesus more and more. He is indeed a powerful teacher. People are amazed at the things that he says. But Jesus reveals that he's more than a teacher. He begins to drive out evil spirits. And people begin to question, what kind of man is this? Further, he heals people and even forgives sins. And that was a really difficult one for people to grasp because only God could forgive sins. Later on, he's walking on water. He is showing his absolute power over creation and nature as he is calming the storm on a sea. And slowly, there are these revelatory moments where his followers are watching him do these miraculous feats, even raising the dead. And they are seeing more and more about who Jesus is truly. With each passing moment, Jesus himself is slowly revealing who he is to his disciples. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus is traveling to the region of Caesarea Philippi. And one day we're going to talk about the importance of this region because I believe it will only enhance our understanding of Jesus. But we won't get into that today. But just know that Jesus and his disciples are in this very significant place. And it was here where Jesus takes his followers, that he begins to quiz them and ask them, who do people say that I am? The group as a whole responds, hey, Jesus, some people think that you are John the Baptist. Others say you are Elijah. Still, even others point to the other prophets and believe that there is an association between them and you. So they begin to ask or answer Jesus' question, about who others believe that he is. 
But then Jesus turns the question on them and says, okay, well, who do you think that I am? And Peter, in his kind of brash boldness, pipes up and says, Jesus, you are the Messiah. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone. Later on, Jesus predicts his death. He tells them the Son of Man is going to be rejected. He will die, but he will come back to life. He will rise again. And Peter, the one who had just had this miraculous moment confessing that Jesus was the Messiah, pulls Jesus aside and begins to rebuke him. I wonder what he would have said in that conversation. Jesus, you just said that you are the Messiah. Now you're talking about dying and does the Messiah really die? I, the Bible says that Jesus hears Peter's words of rebuke and then turns around and rebukes Peter saying, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but only human concerns. Later on, Jesus continues to tell them about taking up their cross. There will come a time where if you will choose to take up your, cro your cross and, and truly be my disciple, you will follow me and you will lose your life. But don't worry, because when you lose your life, you will actually gain it. And later, Jesus says that when he returns, he will return with the Father's glory and with the holy angels. It's here, with all of this in mind, that we lead into Mark's gospel, where he covers a very significant moment in Jesus' earthly life. And that moment is called the transfiguration. And it's found in Mark chapter 9, verse 2. And that's where we're going to start our reading today. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. Now, this is an unusual event. We have Jesus radiating glory. Elijah and Moses, significant people in the Old Testament, are present. There's clouds and voices from heaven. There's really a lot to consider in this event, but let's keep it simple for today. What I want to do is kind of switch our minds into Old Testament mode for a moment. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record the transfiguration event. And all of the authors include that Moses and Elijah were there. But why? In Exodus 24, God is confirming his covenant with the nation of Israel on Mount Sinai. And it is here that God tells Moses, Moses, I want you and three men, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, to join you on the mountain. And Moses and the three men, along with some other members from the company of Israel, go upon the mountain and there they experience God's glory and his presence. As Moses leaves the followers there, he goes up a bit further upon the mountain 
and the cloud begins to cover the mountain, and the cloud is the glory of God. And from this cloud of glory, God calls to Moses. So in Exodus, Moses and three other individuals go up a mountain and experience the radiance of God's presence. Moses himself is in the cloud of God's glory, and God speaks to Moses in that place. In Mark's account, the transfiguration, Jesus takes three men up a mountain, and there they experience the glory and the presence of the sun. There's a cloud, and there is also God's presence. Now, there's also the voice, and this is very interesting as well, because in Deuteronomy chapter 18, Moses prophesies that God will raise up a prophet from the Israelite people. And he will be a prophet just like Moses. And Moses instructs the people that they must listen to this person that God has raised up. And we go back to Mark's account of the transfiguration. The cloud appears and the voice of God says, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. There are definitely some connections in Exodus 24 with Moses' life and the transfiguration as it's recorded in Mark chapter 9. So we see that there is this Moses connection, but what about the Elijah connection? In 1 Kings 19, Elijah has just defeated the prophets of Baal. And King Ahab, his wife Jezebel, vows to kill Elijah the prophet. Elijah flees, and he's in the wilderness and the desert, and he calls out to God and asks God to end his life right there. He's so weary, he cannot continue any further. Well, God sends an angel with food to refresh Elijah, and Elijah then embarks on a 40-day and 40-night journey to where? Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, the same place Moses was, generations earlier, receiving the law, having this magnificent encounter with God's presence. And it was there where the Lord appeared to Elijah and displayed his presence and power. Additionally, there was this Jewish expectation that when the Messiah would arrive, Elijah would appear during that time. And remember, Peter has just confessed Jesus was the Messiah and the presence of Elijah on the mount where the transfiguration occurred is confirmation that Jesus is that Messiah. So what is being revealed to the disciples? And we could even ask, what is being revealed to us today? Jesus is more than a teacher. He's beyond someone who just gives us a standard or a set of rules to live by in order for us to reach moral perfection. Jesus shares in the glory of the Father. Jesus is greater than Moses and Elijah. He has cloaked his radiance with humanity to become a servant. Jesus is the Messiah. He is God incarnate. He is to be obeyed, and we are to listen to him. He is establishing a new covenant that supersedes the former covenant. This is Jesus Christ, our Savior, and yet he's much, much more. For time's sake, let me quickly wrap up this message 
with a few points. Firstly, Jesus desires to reveal himself to his followers. The entire gospel account is Jesus revealing who he is. His earthly ministry, his death and resurrection. After his resurrection, he is appearing to hundreds of people, demonstrating that he was greater than death. He truly was the Son of God. There's even a moment where there is a disciple by the name of Thomas who has difficulty wrapping his mind around everything that had happened. Jesus is is dead, but then now he's alive, and Jesus takes the opportunity to appear to Thomas. And Thomas has this incredible revelatory moment where he looks at a risen Savior and says, My Lord and my God. So we look at the gospel accounts as Jesus revealing himself to his followers. But in fact, if we were to look at the entire biblical narrative, the whole story expresses God's desire to demonstrate his glory, his holiness, who he is, his love, his presence to the world. Jesus desires to reveal himself to his followers. Second point, Jesus will lead us to a place of discovering him more and more. Jesus takes the lead. He invites us to discover him. In Mark 9, the scripture says that after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him. And he is the one that led them to the mountain. Jesus is the one that initiates this process. He knows what will happen at the mountain. He knows that his disciples are going to see him and discover him more and more. They are going to see his radiance. They are going to start making the connections about who he is. They're going to see Elijah and Moses. And here is the key. Jesus is leading, but the disciples are willing to be led. And they follow in obedience to the place that Jesus took them. And it was there in their obedience that Jesus also revealed himself to them more. Finally, the removal of distractions in the world will allow us to discover Jesus more and more. Mark 9 says that Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and that they were alone with Jesus. And it was there on top of the mountain, in that place of isolation with Jesus, that Jesus revealed himself. Now, this is something that we know. We know that there are distractions in our life. We know that we can be preoccupied with matters of the world and that being preoccupied with those matters will affect us discovering Jesus more and more. Now we know that we cannot live detached from the world. There are absolutely things that need our attention. We do have responsibilities. But consider the last time that you just set everything aside. You put it aside, all of your obligations, your titles, your responsibilities, your phone, the ability to be reached, your responsibilities, and just set that aside and looked at Jesus and said, this time is for you and me alone. When was the last time that you truly had communion with Christ? See, the communion table is a place where we stop and remember. Jesus encouraged his disciples that they were to participate in this meal until he came back. And in doing so, they are proclaiming the work of Christ, his faithfulness. You know, in Luke 24, there's a very interesting story. After Jesus was resurrected, it took a bit of time for word to kind of circulate 
about everything that had actually happened. And so in Luke 24, there are two men who are traveling to the village of Emmaus. And as they're traveling, they're walking, discussing everything that had happened. And a resurrected Jesus, who had kept himself from the men recognizing him, joined them on the road. And he began to ask them, what, what are you guys talking about? The two men, in kind of the state of mourning, look at them and ask, Are you the only one in Jerusalem who does not know about the things that have happened in these last few days? And Jesus looks at them and says, What things? And the two men began to share the story of what had happened. They talked about this incredible prophet named Jesus, who was more than a prophet, by the way. How he was turned over to the religious leaders, that he was crucified and placed in a tomb. They begin to share their heart about how they thought that he was the one who was going to come and redeem Israel. They also informed him that there are these stories that are circulating that women who had visited his tomb to help prepare and, and preserve his body arrived at the tomb and it was absolutely empty. And there's all of these stories and accounts of angels appearing and people saying that he was alive. We would imagine that it was a very confusing time for them. Jesus responds to them saying, Don't you know that the Messiah would need to suffer before entering into his glory? And Luke says that Jesus, beginning with Moses and the prophets, walked the two travelers through the scriptures, scriptures concerning himself. They reached the place of their destination. And Jesus appeared that he was going to journey and travel a little bit further. But the two travelers urged him, stay with us. Share a meal with us. It's getting, it's getting late. Don't continue any further. And so Jesus stayed with them. And it's here that something very interesting happens. Because in Luke chapter 24, 30, it records that Jesus was sitting at the table with them. And he took the bread and he began to give thanks. And when he broke it, he gave it to them. And it was then that their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. You know, these two men after realizing what had taken place, immediately went back to Jerusalem and they began to tell the story of what had happened, that they had seen the resurrected Christ and they told them that they finally recognized Jesus when? When he broke the bread. My prayer today is that as we gather around the communion elements, as we look at taking the bread and the wine, that as we gather and take the bread and we take the cup, that through this process, Christ would be revealed to us more and more, just as he was revealed to those two travelers walking the road to the village of Emmaus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we could gather here together as your people. We thank you for the incredible love that you have for us in sending your Son. We thank you that you are not a God who is distant, but a God who has chosen to reveal himself to us. 
Father, we look at the stories of Christ and after his resurrection, we think of the communion story. We think of those two men traveling to the road to Emmaus and what it must have been like for them to realize that they had been with Christ. That revelatory moment, that discovery moment of them seeing your son as more than a prophet, more than a teacher, but for them seeing that he truly was the Savior, the Son of the living God. Father, today as we take the bread and the cup, we ask that your Son would be revealed to us more and more this very day. Amen. If you're in the building today, elements, the communion elements will be made available to you at this time. Please feel free to take communion After a time of personal prayer and reflection, we'll have some worship music playing to help assist you as the communion trays and elements come around at this time. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you. And may you discover him more and more through communion today. Thanks for checking out our sermons podcast today. For more information on Ottawa Baptist Church, please visit our website at www.ottawabaptist.com.